Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray you are well always, and uh, all is well. God is on his throne, the world is getting worse, the church is getting, uh, well, the church is not getting worse, its members are getting worse. Uh, Frank Sheed's comment is often on my mind that the church is the cause of the holiness of its members, but its holiness is not measured by their response. Um, we have many members of the church today, and um, in particular her hierarchy, her clergy, who have lost their faith, who are teaching error, who are using their positions uh, as shepherds to control and destroy the sheep rather than caring for them and bringing them to heaven. So we, the sheep, must not... Um, falter under such evil shepherds where they are evil. We have many good shepherds today, but um, increasingly the false shepherds are showing their colors. And what do we do? We don't cower. We don't lose our faith. We don't get discouraged. We redouble our efforts for heaven, and we learn our faith, and we live the faith as if it's true, without compromise whatsoever. We are uh, in the book Keep the Faith by um, uh, Canon Ripley, and it's a beautiful book if you'd like to get that for your family and take them through it. Um, every word in it is true. It's pre-Vatican II, and it's nothing, not one iota has changed. Not, not one iota of the faith has changed. Vatican II was not a di doctrinal council. I'm not speaking against Vatican II. I'm speaking against the insanity that came from it. Um, and it, it um, uh, how do I say, it, it, it may seem that uh, some doctrine has changed, but it has not. Truth cannot change. It cannot change. God is truth. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nothing changes with God. He is the way. He will always be the way. He is not the preferred way. He is the only way. And he is um, the, the way, the life, and the truth. And truth himself does not change. He is God. And what he has given us, the faith once delivered to the faith, to the saints rather, uh, will not change, cannot change. So if anything has seemed to change, uh, it cannot and it has not. It can change in practice, but the change in practice must not divert from the truth that the practice um, proclaims. And so... Um, um, I don't know, take any example um, uh, of, of keeping the Sabbath holy, keeping uh, Sunday holy. Um, we must do that. If we don't, 
it's a mortal sin. If our shepherds close down our churches and uh, we cannot go, uh, we are not accountable to God, but they are. They are because they have no right and no power to do that. They may take it, uh, take power that they don't have, but they will be accountable to God. As Cardinal Raymond Burke said, um, to worship on Sunday um, and uh, not forsake the fellowshipping of ourselves together um, and come to church for Sunday for the Holy Mass is not a man-made law. It doesn't come from Rome. It comes from God. It's a divine law. And no bishop, no priest has the power to change that or to forbid anyone from coming to Mass. So, um, dear ones, this is a time to learn our faith and to absolutely live it. And that's why I'm going through this book with you in the midst of what is crazy in the world. We must know our faith. You must teach it to your children. You must get them out of public schools or you are destroying them. If you don't, you are destroying them. Not the schools. You are destroying them for letting them um, uh, be subject to the evil they are being taught. And that includes so-called Catholic schools if they're teaching sex ed, which they have no business to teach, um, if, they're, if they're teaching gender ideology, any of that. And many Catholic schools have bought into that because they've lost their faith and they should not have the title Catholic. So if your child is going to such a school, get him or her out. Get him out of school. No matter what you need to do, get him out of school. Um, if you cannot homeschool, there has to be a good reason why you cannot homeschool because our Lord has given not the schools and not the church the vocation of raising the children in the faith. That is a vocation given to parents. It was so throughout the whole Old Testament. There were not schools. Parents raised the children. <clears throat> and um, the development of schools was a slow road to destruction. Parents should be teaching their children. I'm not against all schools. Uh, there are many good schools, and I'm not against them at all. But public schools, I don't know anyone that's good. I don't know a single one. There may be, blessed be God if there are, but it's evil out there. So keep your children home. If you cannot stay home to homeschool them, find a parent who homeschools her children and ask if she can take your children with them. Or find someone who will homeschool your children, uh, grandparents or um, parents whose children are out of the home and ask them if they'll start a little homeschool group and let them take care of six, eight children and teach them the faith. Do whatever you have to do. Take them to work with you. Do whatever you have to do to not poison them. So we are uh, on the section of the commandments in Keep the Faith. And the next question we're up to is, does Jesus Christ command us to love one another? And the answer is, Jesus Christ commands us to love one another. That is all persons without exception for his sake <clears throat> now if you send your children 
to public school, you're not loving them. You may feel the emotion of love, but you are destroying them. Next question, how are we to love one another? We are to love one another by wishing well to one another, praying for one another, and by never allowing ourselves any thought, word, or deed to the injury of anyone. Are we also bound to love our enemies? We are also bound to love our enemies, not only by forgiving them from our hearts, but also by wishing them well and praying for them. <clears throat> we are up now to where we left off in the first commandment. What is the first commandment? And I mentioned last time there's three orders of uh, the so-called Ten Commandments. I say so-called because they come from Exodus um, chapter 14, no, chapter 20, sorry, Exodus chapter 20, and there are at least 14 commandments, but they've been grouped into 10. First, the Jewish 10, then the Catholic 10, and then the Protestant 10, and they're grouped somewhat differently. And in fact, in the Jewish 10, the first commandment is simply a statement, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. That's it. That's it. I am the Lord your God. It's a statement. The first commandment in the Catholic group is, I am the Lord thy God, who brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Thou shalt not make to thyself a graven thing, nor the likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath, nor of those things that are in the waters under the earth, Thou shalt not adore them, nor serve them. So what are we commanded to do by the first commandment? By the first commandment, we are commanded to worship the one true and living God by faith, hope, charity, and true religion. Blessed, when our Lord gave the commandments to the children of Israel on Mount Sinai through Moses. They were in a world that worshipped a thousand false gods. And God took them apart. He called Abram, which means high and honored father. He called Abram from Earl of the, Earl of the Chaldees. Abram's parents were idol worshippers. And he called Abram out. And he said, I'm going to change your name. And he did to Abraham which means a father of many nations. And he said, through your seed, Abram, through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Abraham's seed is singular. Paul writes to the Galatians that the seed of Abraham is Christ. And it would be through Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed. And God would build a family through Abraham that... Uh, through whom he would establish a people for his name. Dear ones, uh, there's the music for our first break. We'll come back and continue um, with the first commandment until the second break when uh, our dear brother James will join us and we'll take your calls and your emails. The toll-free number, one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
please join Father Mark Noonan in praying the Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live and we are with you and we're thrilled to be with you. And um, you're welcome to call in again with anything on your heart. Um, toll free one 877 5115483 you may text at that number as well or email at mother at the station of the cross.com and we will take your calls your text and your emails following the next break just a little further now on um, on the 10 commandments we're at the first commandment what are we commanded to do by the first commandment by the first commandment we are commanded to worship the one true living god by faith Hope, charity, and true religion. What are the sins against faith? The sins against faith are believing in a false religion. And when, uh, just before the break, um, I was mentioning that <clears throat> through Abram, Exodus chapter 12, uh, rather Genesis chapter 12, uh, God said to Abram, picked him out of Ur of the Chaldees of an idol-worshipping people, including his parents who were idol-worshipping worshippers. And he said, Abram, I want you to go from your house, from your land, from your people to a place I will show you. And through you, all the nations of the world 
will be blessed through your seed, Abram. And I mentioned that that word is singular, seed, and that refers to Christ, as the Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians. Christ is the seed of Abraham. And through Abraham, for his name was changed from Abram, meaning high and honored father, to Abraham, meaning a father of many nations. And it was through uh, Abraham's uh, offspring, um, uh, Abraham had, um, oh, why am I uh, 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 fumbling on this, Isaac and Jacob, and it would be through, um, well, first Isaac and Esau, and it would be through Isaac that the promised seed would continue, and then Isaac had um, Jacob and Esau, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm mixed up. Uh, Abraham had um, Isaac and Ishmael, I'm sorry, too early in the morning. He had had Isaac and Ishmael, and it would be through Isaac that the seed would continue. And Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and it would be through Jacob that that promised seed would continue. Jacob had 12 sons, and it would be through the son of Judah that that seed would continue. Um, And Abraham struggled one night with uh, the angel of the Lord, often when the Old Testament says, not an angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord. It is God himself. It is a pre-incarnate Christ. And um, the story of Jacob's ladder, Jacob struggled with the angel of the Lord. He said, what is your name? And the angel said, how come you ask me what my name is? Uh, Since it is wonderful. That's a name for God. A son will be born, Isaiah 9, 6, and his name will be called Wonderful, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. How come you don't know I'm God? And and the angel of the Lord, who was a pre-incarnate Christ, gave Jacob a souvenir. He uh, dislocated Jacob's hip. And so, um, from that point, uh, uh, Jacob was his he changed I'm stumbling here he changed Jacob's name to Israel Israel means to strive with God and so uh, as a souvenir that Jacob would always remember that he strove with God and so the 12 sons of Jacob including Judah became tribes because they married and had big families so the 12 tribes of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel who is Jacob and it would be through one tribe Judah that the messianic line, the line of the Messiah, the line of the promised Redeemer, the line of Abraham's seed, who would be the Savior of the world, would continue. And from the tribe of Judah, uh, um, uh, through the family of David, the messianic line would continue. David was Israel's greatest king, right up to Christ, who is the son of David. And so, why has God given the Ten Commandments? Because um, he wanted Abram and the nation and subsequent nations that grew from his seed to know that he was the only God. Abram came from many, many gods, false gods. He wanted the people formed from Abram, subsequently Abraham, to know that there was only one God, not a thousand gods. 
and they were to worship him alone, that he was the only God and that he was their God. And so the first commandment, I am the Lord your God. You ought to worship no other gods. And the other gods are with a small g because there are no other gods. And so the sins against faith are believing in a false religion. So in Abraham's day, when the nation of Israel was formed, there's no other religion but the one God gave. And why did he give the Ten Commandments? Yes, to set that nation apart, that they should know who he is. But the fact is that the Ten Commandments are written on our heart. God put them on our heart in creating us. So that Romans 1 says, there's no excuse for not knowing him because he's put the knowledge of himself in all our hearts and the, the creation proclaims the glory of God. All things proclaim him. But the knowledge of him is in our hearts. So we are without excuse for not knowing God. And that's why Romans 1 says, those who turn from him exchange the glory of the, of the a true God for the image of man and beasts and all kinds of things. The Ten Commandments are the law of God written in our heart, now put on stone. That's what they are. Which is why when the Jews sinned against God, God said that the Gentiles, that is the nations, Gentiles and nations are the same word. In other words, people apart from the Hebrews, all the nations of the world, if they live the law, they haven't gotten the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, but if they live the law of God written in their heart, they'll get to heaven before the Jews who have the written law because they have obeyed the law of God written in their heart where the Jews who have all the oracles of God don't obey them, then those without the law who obey the law of God in their heart will get to heaven first, or the others won't at all. So you can say to your children, children, in God, having created you, he has put his laws in your heart. You know what's right and wrong. You have a conscience. You know that. That's why God gave you the conscience. Um, and if you act against it, you will be in sin. And if you're not sure what is right or wrong, look at the Ten Commandments. They will tell you. And that thou shalt not kill. Yeah, but what about abortion? I, my conscience says it's fine. Well, your conscience is wrong. If your conscience disagrees with the law of God, it's wrong. There's no contest there. The sins against faith are believing in a false religion, willful doubt, disbelief or denial of any article of the faith, and also culpable ignorance of the doctrines of the church. Next question. How do we expose ourselves to the danger of losing our faith? We expose ourselves to the danger. Now, why am I repeating the question when I give you the answer? Because that's the way we need to learn the faith. That's the way you need to teach your children the faith. Not just by throwing out an answer, but a full sentence that includes the question. Otherwise, they'll throw out an answer and they'll forget the question. 
we expose ourselves to the danger of losing our faith by sinning, by failing to pray, failing to study our faith, neglecting our spiritual duties, reading bad books, going to non-Catholic schools, and taking part in the services of prayers of a false religion. You see, if you go to non-Catholic schools, you are subjecting your children to the false teaching, to the unbelief of the world. I know, as a child, we knew who we were as God's people, as Jews. But we went to public school, and in high school, I had a teacher who said, uh, all you children believe in God, but, um, but the fact is that the word God was invented for what we didn't yet know. For example, he said to us, Thor, T-H-O-R, is the god of thunder. And once we figured out by science what causes thunder and its sound and all that, we threw Thor out because now we know. So God is a catch-all for, what we do, for our ignorance, for what we don't yet know. And I think I was in 10th grade. And that really impressed me. I began to wonder if he's not right. After all, he's my teacher. He, he probably knows more than my parents, you know. Uh, I wonder if there's something to that. And I began to doubt that God existed. And my parents believed they weren't wishy-washy. But I was taught by a secular teacher who did not believe. Very influential on your children. What are the sins against hope? The sins against hope are presumption and despair. Judas sinned against hope because he despaired. He despaired of the mercy of God. If you despair, what you're really saying is that there's no hope. And if there's no hope, then there's no God. He is the God of hope. If you say, I have no hope, there's no hope for any situation. You are saying there's no God. Is anything impossible with God? Of course not. I've spoken to some people who think there's no hope for some sinners. They're dooming, they're not dooming those sinners, but they don't understand the God of mercy and that nothing is impossible for him. Sins against hope are presumption and despair. Don't you presume. Don't presume what God will do. Don't presume anyone else's spiritual state and don't presume your own. That would be very dangerous. There's the music for our second break, dear ones. Uh, when we come back from that break, we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails, and our toll-free number again is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
as a non-profit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is just out of touch? It's going to have to change if it ever hopes to be relevant in today's world. But G.K. Chesterton says, we do not need a church that will move with the world. We need a church that will move the world. It's not that the church has to change, it's that the world has to change, and it's up to us, as the church, to change the world. That is the call to conversion. We don't convert the world by giving in to it. Chesterton says, the world is converted by the saint that contradicts it most. I guess that explains why in an age that worships money, sex, and power, the most influential woman in the modern world was a tiny little nun taking care of the sick and dying in the streets of Calcutta. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton.org. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This half hour is ours all to ourselves, with whatever is on your heart, the, the matter of the heart, the heart of the matter, rather, is the matter of your heart. Call in with anything whatsoever, no matter the topic, and we'll do our best uh, to, to see if we can assist you. And before we start, um, I want to make um, uh, one more announcement. We're getting closer to the uh, 25th anniversary gala of LifeSite News that's going to be held in Naples, Florida, August 17th. Um, it's going to be a very, very special evening, cocktails, hors d'oeuvres, dinner, a speaker panel. The guests include Father James Altman and John Henry Weston. And the keynote speaker is Jim Caviezel, who played our Lord in The Passion. Um, other people, I'll be there. Um, LifeSite News staff will be there. Station of the Cross will be there. Um, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time. And... Each time I make this announcement, there are fewer and fewer tickets to be had because that hall where it's being held is being filled up, but there are still some. So simply go, if you wish, to gala25.lifesitenews.com, gala, G-A-L-A, 25.lifesitenews, one word, dot com, and you'll be able to uh, 
to um, get a ticket. Okay. James? <clears throat> Hello, dear brother. Good morning, Mother. How are you? Oh, I'm terrific. I'm so glad you're there with me. I'm happy How to be back doing? with you. Thank you, sweetheart. How are we doing with emails? We've got a bunch of emails. Let's start with one this morning. So we've got an email from Bridget first this morning. And Bridget says, My dearest Mother Miriam, about three weeks ago, I made the decision to find a Latin mass to begin attending upon realizing that the Novus Ordo I had been going to in my town was falling far short of what my heart desired in the way of worshiping God. It was rife with opening and closing jokes from the priest, the parish dog running up the aisle and altar steps at mass, closing with the priest having him perform tricks, and most recently, when a missionary deacon was assisting in the mass, only he and the Eucharistic ministers distributed communion while the priest simply sat in his chair. That's a joke. Wow. I work 10 miles from where I live, and the Latin Mass is 5 miles from home in the opposite direction. Last week, on Monday, in order to be able to attend the Mass at noon, having cleaned up from my grubby job and, getting, and gotten dressed, I asked my supervisor at the United States Postal Service, for which I have worked for 9 months, if I could start leaving work an hour and a half early on Sundays. I know, I know, we shouldn't be working at all on Sundays. And she puts in parentheses, all we do that day is Amazon shipments, evil. Anyway, my boss said she'd have to check with labor, the internal labor department or something, I guess, and asked if I had documentation of my religion. She told me this is her first time dealing with such a request. You see, she is new to her supervisory status. I got my union representative involved, and he said they would have to make the concession to me or face the threat of a lawsuit. So on Saturday, when my supervisor asked, what time was it you needed to leave on Sunday? I thought we were in good shape. She and I discussed the duties of the day I would fulfill, and the following day I fulfilled them, left on time, and attended the lovely Latin Mass, at which I began to cry immediately upon entering the entering procession of the priest and altar servers with incense and music and parishioners all bowing. Now today, Monday, the supervisor informed me that, according to labor, I need to provide something in writing stating that I need to be at the church at a given time. I asked if the church bulletin with the mass schedule was sufficient. She stated no, because anyone could just grab a church flyer from anywhere. Maybe the pastor could write something, she offered. Obviously, this is all absurd. Nobody needs to be at church. Does she want a letter from God? Even he wouldn't write one because he gave us free will. I need to know, what would you do? I am tempted to quit for sure. This is management giving me problems, and the union, my alleged protector and advocate in such a situation, supports all national woke legislation, so I'm sure they won't support me further if I refuse to provide said documentation. I want to refuse on principle, but also, of course, because we know that these days, documentation could very well prove insidious by getting us placed on the list of, quote, undesirables or enemies of the people and or democracy and all the rest of it. Thank you so much for any thoughts. Mm. All my love, Bridget. Oh, Bridget, what an awful situation. What an awful situation. Well, we do need to be at church on Sunday. We do need to. God has commanded us. I understand you can have a choice of parish and a choice of 
times of mass and all of that, but it's not true that you don't need to be. You're under God's commandment uh, to be at church on Sunday. I would uh, just take this as far as you can, Bridget. I would explain the situation to the priest at the Latin Mass and um, simply ask if he would write a letter um, saying that um, this is your church and um, uh, you must be a church. You, you must. That's fine. That's God's command. You must be a church on Sunday and the Mass is at noon or whatever time it is. And I, I, um, I am verifying that uh, Bridget um, is Catholic and uh, uh, is, is, is and needs to be present at this Mass. It, it's not a lie. It doesn't mean that um, you're not saying there's no other choices in the world, but she needs to be at Mass. So just say, I verify that she's here and that she's Catholic and that she's at, let's say, the noon Mass uh, every Sunday. Let him write a letter without lying at all and give that to them and, and see if it's sufficient. And don't worry about anything else right now. Don't worry about your name being put on certain lists. Just see if your your priest will write that letter. Go one step at a time. That's what I would do. Okay, very good. And of, uh, let me just add, sure. of course, if it if you can uh, look for another job or get out of work on Sunday for the post office, that would also be ideal. That would also be ideal. Um, Bridget, especially. I don't know if you're married or have children, but. Um, Especially if you have children at home, you should not be at work on Sunday. Okay. And you're right. You're doing Amazon shipments, and and it's run by evil people. But um, you, can, you can see if you can get a letter from your priest and look for another job at the same time. So next, we'll take a YouTube comment from Jane. And Jane says, I am more and more disgusted with the Novus Ordo. Having learned how it came to be and what was eliminated from the Latin Mass, I can't see how it's pleasing to God. Am I wrong in thinking this way? No, you're not wrong, Jane. I um, I can't see how it's pleasing to God either, um, especially with what we just heard um, from Bridget, what goes on at her Novus Ordo Parish. Um, just... Uh, horrible it's horrible and it's not catholic um um, i I lost the sense what is the question there uh um, james i'm so sorry uh jane wants to know if she's wrong for thinking that way and feeling that uh she's kind of disgusted with the novus ordo okay no no jane forgive me for that I, i lost track i was trying to compare it with bridget no 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 you're not wrong it's very, very difficult, um, even for me, uh, to go to most Novus Ordo masses. Um, very painful, actually. There are rare few that are very reverent, that are really, that follow the Novus Ordo Mass of Paul VI. I don't prefer that either. But that's a reverent mass. It didn't let go of the Latin. It, the priest didn't turn around and face the people. Uh, it was it, uh, the Paul VI Latin um, uh, Novus Ordo um, is is uh, it fine? It it does. We do lose much in that, 
but it, it's still reverent. What's happening today in Novus Auto Churches is debauchery. It's horrible. It's just horrible. And people have lost the reverence for God, the sense of God. They're not being taught the faith. And uh, no, you're not um, problematic uh, for um, for thinking in this way at all. Um, uh, Jane, at all costs, I would find a Latin Mass, if you can, at all costs. Um, no matter what it takes, how far you have to drive, and again, if that's impossible, um, then um, uh, I would just find the most reverent Novus Ordo that I could find. Okay, and this is another YouTube comment. This one's from Tim, and Tim asks, Mother, can we grow in love or grace after we die? Why not? And if not, what does the purification of purgatory do? Okay. We do grow in love and grace after we die. We do. Uh, In purgatory, not in heaven. When we die, we die in the state um, of grace in which we die. So if we are separated from God upon physical death, we will be in hell forever. If we die in a state of grace, um, but still our sins, um, with forgiven sin, if it's mortal, must be forgiven, otherwise we wouldn't be in a state of grace, then we go to purgatory to work out the temporal effects, to expiate the temporal effects of our sin. Um, so I've said many times a little example of Johnny breaks the neighbor's window and he apologizes because he shouldn't have been playing in her yard to begin with. She forgives him, but unless he can earn the money, so she's forgiven, but unless he can earn the money to pay back the temporal effects of his sin, which is a broken window, he cannot go to heaven. That's what purgatory is for. Um, If he doesn't pay for that window before he dies, he will pay for it in purgatory. The thing about purgatory is we cannot work out uh, our salvation in purgatory. We can do nothing. We can do no good works in purgatory. Those in purgatory depend completely on us on earth to offer sacrifices for them and to pray for them. But they do grow in grace and love. Um, St. Catherine of Genoa was shown purgatory, and she wrote a little book uh, titled The Fire of God's Love. It's just a little, with a red cover, it's a booklet, really. The Fire of God's Love. And she describes that those in purgatory um, are so now, now, in love with God because they've never been closer to him than they are in purgatory, They've never been so done with the things of the world as they are in purgatory. They're done with sin. They're done with its power. They're done with its presence. And they only want to be with God. But they now love him so much that they couldn't bear to go before God with one stain of sin. Not one. And so they don't want to get out of purgatory until they are totally cleansed from the temporal effects of their sin by we on earth who pray and offer sacrifices for them. Nothing unclean will go into heaven. And so, yes, we grow in grace and love because once our sin is taken from us, once 
we have expiated, atoned for, not the sin that separates us from God, but the temporal effects of the sin that we've committed toward others on earth. Once that is taken away, once the power and the presence of sin is away from us, God becomes more clear to us and his love and his perfection, and we do love him more. We do grow in grace and we do love him more in order to enter to heaven. But those who love him would not dare to enter heaven until they are perfectly, perfectly clean. Um, it's a good question, Tim. Purgatory is a... Um, uh, that's what the purification of purgatory does. Um, it, it helps us to be filled with the love and worship of God so that when we stand before him, he is truly worshipped as he should be. Uh, there's the music for our final break. Beloved, we'll have 10 minutes when we come back. Enough time for you to call in if you wish. one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's the station of the cross.com or 1-866-628-2277. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at one 877 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our final segment, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. I'll give out the number one more time, one 511 5483 or email 
at mother at the station of the cross.com. Um, James, who is next for us? This is a Facebook comment from Michael, and Michael says, Can a priest who is silenced, and the term that we hear more often today is canceled, so can a priest who is silenced or canceled by the Pope continue to celebrate Mass against the Pope's command to him? I'm going to answer with my opinion because I would need to look up canon law. My opinion may be wrong. Um, my opinion is no, he needs to obey. He needs to obey his own bishop, even though um, they may have wrong motives, they may be wrong in their thinking, decisions, all of that. Uh, we need to obey, yes. So if a pope silence a priest, if a bishop silence a priest, the priest needs to obey that. Um, normally a pope is not going to silence a priest, um, without removing his faculties, and if, if the faculties are removed, the priest cannot celebrate Mass. Um, and more often, when a pope or even a bishop will silence a priest, he will allow him to continue uh, to celebrate Mass privately, but not publicly. So I don't know all the canon law about that, but yes, one needs to obey the pope, and he needs to obey his own bishop. Um, he needs to obey in everything but sin. The Pope could be in sin uh, by telling him um, to be, st by silencing him. But the priest still needs to obey. The Pope cannot command him to do what is evil. The Pope can't command a priest to, to lie or to sin. He can't command him to do evil. But he can command him to um, to be silent. He can do that. Um, we need to obey. We need to obey, just as a child needs to obey their parent in everything but sin. If the child is to, one to judge when the parent is correct or holy, then there's no obedience. The child needs to obey because in obeying their parent, they're obeying God. The same thing with the Pope and with bishops. We need to obey because in obeying them in authority over us, we are obeying God, even if we think they're wrong, as long as it's not a matter of sin. We never, ever, ever um, obey sin. But if the bishops tell us to do something, yes, we obey that. If it has to do with the faith, um, and it's not a matter of sin, yes. Okay. Um, Yes, go ahead. So this uh, is a text from Jean, and Jean says, Dearest Mother, you're a blessing. Thank you. Could you please speak to any fears one might have before consecrating oneself to Jesus through Mary? And she puts in parentheses here, uh, St. Louis de Montfort. Have you ever heard of any harm or devastation coming to one related to this consecration? I'm hearing things like this, and I feel Satan could be tapping me on the shoulder to try and prevent me from going forward. Thank you, Gene. Well, Gene, that's very possible that Satan could be tapping you or one of his minions tapping you on the shoulder to prevent you from going forward. It will never be of God or the Blessed Mother that you do not go forward with that consecration. The name of Mary is hated by Satan. He flees from her. So, if hold on. Excuse me. 
if you are considering consecrating yourself to Jesus through Mary, which I have done, which is I wish everybody would do. St. Louis de Montfort is, is the perfect consecration. There's another one by St. Maximilian Kolbe. All is well. Um, uh, if, if the enemy knows that you want to do that, he will come against you. That's proof that it is a magnificent devotion. And it means that everything you do from now on, everything you do with Jesus, for him, in him, with him, through him, will be through Mary. And um, Jesus came to us through the woman. He came to us through the woman. We may not fear, not legitimately, to go back to him through that woman through which he came to us. He's God. He didn't have to come to us through a creature, even a sinless one whom he created. And we go to him through the mother that he created to be also our mother. So um, uh, don't fear the enemy. Just do it. Uh, Follow through. Uh, Have yourself a program, uh, the consecration book, um, and uh, maybe have a friend um, that is doing it with you so you hold each other accountable. Um, The only other thing that I could see that would hold us back, the only other fear is fearing to be in control of our lives. If I consecrate myself to Jesus through Mary, then I'm not as free as I was before to sin or to do what I want. I have to, everything I do is for Jesus through Mary. I'm not going to have any fun anymore. (laughs) Um, If that's a fear, uh, it's it's a legitimate fear for fallen creatures who love sin and the passing pleasures of sin. But don't let that stop you. Because the truth sets us free. And if you live this consecration, you will know a freedom you haven't known before. You will have... I'm sorry, you'll be close to our Blessed Mother, closer than you've ever been. And um, you will get to know her son as she knows him. So, Jean, don't let anything hold you back. Don't let any fear hold you back. And forget what you hear from others. Just go for it. Um, Michael, Father Michael uh, Gately has written a wonderful book, 33 Days to Glory, and that is the preparation for consecration to Jesus through Mary and includes many of the saints and their and their uh, council who have made that consecration. I've made that consecration. Every woman here has made that consecration. So, Jean, don't let anything hold you back. Okay. Okay, so we'll wrap up today. Just a couple minutes left with a Facebook comment from Stephen. And Stephen says, Mother, it is a foundational teaching that those in purgatory cannot help themselves. Can they help others in purgatory, or can they only pray for us? They can pray for us, but they cannot help themselves. I I don't know that they can help anyone in purgatory. I don't know that, truly. Um, they cannot help themselves. Uh, that's why it's so important that we pray for them and offer sacrifices for them. That's why it's so vital that at a funeral, a priest never says our brother or sister is in heaven because they do them a great disservice. We can never assume that. If they're in heaven, they don't need our prayers. But we always assume that 
they do need our prayers. Purgatory is the final stage of sanctification without no, without which no one will see our Lord. And so they can pray for us, but we must pray for them. And they cannot help themselves at all. Only our sacrifices and prayers can help them. It's very, very important um, that we know that. Um, Philippians 1, six are uh, Paul writes, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. Purgatory is the final stage of perfection. If we die in a state of grace, we are on our way to heaven. But if we have temporal sin that we have not atoned for, um, that is separate from the cross of Christ, um, we haven't paid back Mrs. Smith for the window, we go to purgatory. But those on earth must help that person by our sacrifices and prayers to pay back the window, and then that soul can go to heaven. And uh, purgatory is an absolute gift of God's grace to clean us up and let us stand before the King of Kings, the Lamb of Lambs. God bless all of you. We'll speak with you tomorrow. Thank you, James.